Why is it some companies in the same industry are able to adapt and change to a marketplace that is demanding new ways of doing the business and other companies kind of seem stuck in the rearview mirror? And Joy shares with us uh, a concept that was first started by Peter Senge years ago uh, about creating a learning organization. And that's one where people continuously learn and they enhance their abilities to create and be innovative. And um, we're not talking about training or professional development programs. Uh, we're talking about the ability to create a culture where learning becomes the norm and learning translates into being relevant in the marketplace and to adapt and adjust as the marketplace demands. So come on in, grab a snack, welcome. Hold on. Hey, Joyce. Oh. Come, hello. come on in. <laughs> Did you hear my hello? <laughs> I think no, I said hello okay. early. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, that's fine. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. I've got a great uh, cup of coffee. Yes, especially good evening. We are so glad to have people listening to us from around the world. So there. We do. Que bueno. Que bueno. Estoy alegre. <laughs> okay. So here's So what deal. are we doing today? I want to talk about the importance of learning and how organizations learn and what are the cultural conditions that support it. Um, and I'm thinking recently we said something about that. And I, oh, I know, I on LinkedIn, I think, or on my Facebook page for business, I wrote about why are organizations so dumb? Why don't they <laughs> learn? And at one point, I was asked to present to the board of delays. Yeah. On learning. And well, here's an aside story for the women in the audience. We'd had a lovely formal dinner with the board the night before, and then the vans got ready to take uh, people back to wherever they belonged or lived. So all the, all my colleagues, all men, got in one van, and I decided I'd go with the wives this time <laughs> since it was a social event. So the following morning, I am awakened by a call that said, Joyce, you're on in 15 minutes. I said, what do you mean? It doesn't start for another hour. They said, oh, we changed the time last night in the van. <laughs> so, the van you weren't in. <laughs> right. So I flew to get dressed, and I was trying to catch my breath and get grounded. And one of the ways, people, to get grounded when you're not is to Tell your truth. Mm. And so what I said was, I've read the history of delays. And all this organization has ever done is learn and change and grow. So when we talk about creating a learning organization, it doesn't mean that we're, we have a bunch of dumb organizations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and I said, so for instance, to show you how simple it can be, we met all day yesterday as a board and I was there. What did you learn from yesterday that we could change that would make today better? And I saw my male colleagues from the United States saying, oh, she's going down the toilet for sure. <laughs> and, and the, the head the board member who was quite an aristocrat said, 
he was the first to go. He said, I would like to get rid of all these papers and just have a real conversation. Now, you know how we prepare for mm -hmm. board meetings. We prepare paper. We check for flaws. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, see how simple it is? We just learned. So that's how I introduced it. But anyhow. I, I love it. Can I make a distinction before you jump in? Yeah. Because uh, if, if I think about training versus learning yeah uh i would argue that that most organizations are good at training and that's kind of yeah. acquiring a new skill uh yeah. sending someone out to to you know uh learn some different ways of uh either using their job uh or working with their people and what we're talking about isn't training per se which organizations are actually pretty good at uh, but how do you create, yeah. as you described, that vibrant uh, capability to to literally transform and change and grow? Um, and that it's not so, that difficult. I was and it's also, not that difficult. I was also, I offended a large group of high school principals here in Maine because I was brought in to t t talk about learning organizations. And I couldn't help it. The irony hit me. I said, you know what's crazy? You should be teaching me about learning. <laughs> <laughs> You're the principal of schools, for Pete's sake. Okay, so this this these are pieces from the board presentation that I did. What 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 do you need? Or it might have been follow up. Um, first of all, when it is a vibrant learning organization, curiosity is active and systemic. So experimentation is endorsed. There are many small failures and they're shared for learning. Acceptance of risk is built into the decision-making process. Analysis and intuition are part of the decision. And there is a formal process for scanning new ideas, trends, and opportunities. And new ideas and technologies are explored. So think about an organization and where they're weak or where you think they're weak or strong. There is a high awareness of performance gaps. Measurement is used for learning. So there is an ability to create meaningful measures. Oh boy, mm. we have an awful lot of irrelevant measures. Yeah. There is a culture that supports facing brutal facts. There is a process to create continuous high aspirations, which has to do with development conversations. There is a shared understanding of the gap between the present and the desired future state. And considerable effort is spent defining and measuring key factors, not foolish ones. Uh, discussion and debate over metrics is viewed as learning. Any reaction to that? Uh, I'll tell you what, what, what strikes me and I can think of examples in my background, uh, where those moments of honest self-reflection. So thinking about the organization, what do we do? Well, what do we not do? Well, where do we need mm -hmm. to go? Where do we, where do we have these gaps, whether it be people gaps, customer relation gaps, uh, you know, a learning organization doesn't happen unless there are those moments of honest self-appraisal 
uh, about yourself and the business, and it just doesn't happen enough. Uh, instead, right. it's often like trying to market uh, or to come up with a branding statement about who you are. Now, this is kind of getting underneath the hood, which is something I never do on a car, um, but it's getting <laughs> underneath the hood and taking a long, hard look. Mm-hmm. And so learning isn't soft. Yeah, no. It's a rigorous, right. it's a rigorous discipline. Okay, here's another factor. And by the way, these um, supports for the learning culture were evaluated. I used this for evaluation with teams about what of these factors they did well and didn't. So the next one is connection and conversation among people is frequent, informal, and formal. So one, ideas are developed through informal dialogue and discussion. People challenge and refine one another's ideas. Collaboration is a norm for getting work done. Multiple viewpoints and dialogue are actively encouraged. You push until the differences appear. Talent and knowledge moves across functions and across companies. So it's, you know, you and I did a three-day retreat on learning and Mm -hmm. came up that we wanted it to be like a virus. And exploration of cross-company learning is routinely explored. A lot of talk. A lot of coming together. Well, a a lot of talk, yeah. And if I think about most organizations I've been a part of, uh, they've been very siloed uh, and very protective of their turf. And I'm hearing none of that in this, that there's no open dialogue. You play in my sandbox. I'm going to play in your sandbox. Uh, We're going to learn and grow together. and one thing that I think both Food Lion and LA's Hannaford did really well is cross-fertilizing people from a development standpoint. So, yep. you know, uh, yeah, you can stay in one area, but if you were able to go to another area, whether it be HR, marketing, it really created learning. And, and whether it meant to go into Greece or to Belgium and vice versa. Okay, here's another one. There is a transparent environment. The culture is very open. So here are some of the factors to support that. Real learning is hard work and the company supports learners in tough times or stressful change, such as new roles or transition. (laughs) Sometimes I like what I wrote. (laughs) I think it's right. There is easy, equal access to information about the business. And here, listen to this one. And I, fear level is low. Wow. I can't believe we're still talking about that because quality circles came from, what was his name? Edward wanted to, Peter Drucker wanted to, you know, keep eliminate fear. And you've got a lot of energy to work with. I think low fear, but I'm just going to come in. You you gave a couple of conditions. I think low fear is the price of admission to be a learning organization. Yeah. Uh, Because where there is fear, there's hunkering down, getting in your silo, protecting your, your uh, piece of the uh, puzzle. And uh, so, yeah, low fear. 
And fear levels are up again because the world is a little frightening, unsure. Can I stand solid in the world? And also people are exhausted from COVID and disillusioned. And it takes extra energy to learn. So that's just something to think about. Okay, people feel free to speak their minds regardless of level in the company. Unique qualities of people are celebrated. I think there was a pretty high tolerance of that. I love this. Of course, playfulness supports the freedom to think and explore. And new ideas and methods are advanced at all levels of the organization. I feel good when I read this, and I feel sad when I read this. Um, Here's a one. Now, this is a um, big factor with uh, behaviors under it. Time and space is created for learning. Now, I wonder if learning slash training is still labeled non-productive time. What was it called? It was non-productive. So it wasn't contributing to groceries going out the door. Right. Uh, and, right. and it was something to avoid, right? <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Under that, there is a tolerance of ambiguity that allows the development of big solutions. You, you stay with that um, lack of clarity. Top leaders create time and forums, forums for learning. There is sufficient time scheduled into professional calendars to step out of day-to-day demands to reflect on the business. Errors, problems, and lessons learned are shared. There is an understanding and appreciation of learning as lifelong process. And conferences, conferences, benchmarking, and travel to network are encouraged. Encouraged. Mm-hmm. I can't talk. Yeah. So, Joyce. Um, yeah. And we we've said this in the past about other topics. What a great diagnostic. Uh, it is a great look, diagnostic. Yeah. So you know, I almost think about. Uh, I, I just got a new coffee maker. And the first thing I did was read the user's manual so I know how to operate the darn thing. I can almost see having this document be kind of a user manual for leaders and CEOs to say, you want to you get the most out of this organization and really leverage its talent. This is the user manual. These yes, have to it be- Yes, it is. It and is. we've- um, been in an organization that had high vitality based on learning and all of these. And we've helped other organizations shift and learning itself is satisfying. Yeah. To everyone, (laughs) to everyone in the organization. Should I continue? I want you to continue. Yeah. We've got uh, a little more time. Okay. Am I almost, Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't believe I made this so long. <laughs> okay. Well, but there are the factors. It's really good. Okay. Well, why, don't, why, don't, Go why, don't, why don't we uh, reflect on what you shared so far and let's tee up uh, and continue on our next episode. Perfect. <laughs> so sum up, Joyce. <laughs> Well, this goes all the way back 
to learning in school, which so often is set up as teaching. And being a leader of learning, it is facilitative. And the structure and the design or the approach that you set up either creates learning from which you can grow and develop great ideas, or it creates passive acceptance of previous learning. You need yeah. both. I would call the previous learning training. Yeah. But the question to be answered is, how do we learn and grow from X, Y, and Z? So our product mix is a mess. Who do we need to bring together to explore this dilemma? Our silos are too tight. How do we create a natural flow from one to another? Because that is how work is going to work in the future. The learning will, the talent and learning will go to what the organization needs, and that will be, it'll be a series of projects rather than functions. The functions will be like a homeroom where you mm. go to rejuvenate, learn from one another, and go back out into the world to um, support the next step for the organization and carrying the learning, something like that. I think that summarizes it uh, perfectly. So if you like what you heard today, stay tuned and join us next week for part two of A Learning Culture. My hope is that you got some really good nuggets out of today's conversation with Joyce, and there was a lot there. If you want to learn more about creating a learning culture, uh, just Google Peter Senge, uh, and you will get his really seminal work on uh, organizational learning and why it's so important. And, you know, even though that was written years ago, it is probably more relevant today than ever with an ever evolving and the speed with which change happens in the marketplace. So take your notes and look at your own organization and see how you're doing in terms of embracing a learning culture. So until next time, be well and be safe. <laughs>